The funeral business can be a lucrative yet sticky endeavor, Earning your living off the misfortune of others while still providing a respectful and needed service can be like walking a tightrope. But what happens when greed enters and empathy disappears? In a scandal that rocked California and the nation's funeral industry, three members of an all-American family faced trial in Pasadena in a grim tale of organ theft and perhaps even murder. Join us as we discuss the Lamb Funeral Home and dive into the darkness one crime at a time. Time. I'm your host Shannon. With me, as always, my sister from the same mister, Christina. Hey, hey, hey! You sounded very seductive. Hi. <laughs> what are you trying to do here? <laughs> I'm trying to this, make our listeners like us this again. Is, this isn't. This isn't. Um, this isn't um, that kind of podcast. Oh, sorry. That's the <laughs> other one. Sorry. I was in the wrong place. Okay, okay. I'm back. Well, that, she, that's something she does on the side, apparently, <laughs> that I don't know about. And I don't want to know about it. <laughs> I don't want to know. So, everything been going good for you the last few days? Yeah, been going pretty good. Okay, well, me too. Just just, just living the dream. Working and <laughs> working and... Work. I've been researching and working, and that's yep. my life. So that's what I, I, I have to research, write, and work. That's all I do. But mm-hmm. I, I will, you know, it's what I do. Yeah, me too. I enjoy it. So, all right. Well, all right. Next, see you next week, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to say before we get started that today's episode is presented by the Skin Store. For over twenty years, the Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skin care hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, the Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skin care needs. Find your favorite brands like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more, all in one place, with gifts with every purchase. Right now, the Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% off your next purchase by using the code POD. That's code P-O-D for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com slash pod dot list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Exclusions apply. Oh, uh, we also brought to you by our subscribers on Patreon. You guys are awesome. We love you. And let you all know that you, for as little as a dollar a month, you can show your support for the show. Help us keep the lights on around here. <laughs> we need it. No, I'm just Yeah. <laughs> We have one light right now. We have one light. One light. (laughs) We need more. We have several levels that include access to our Patreon feed, mini-sodes, merchandise, and commercial-free episodes. So if you feel the need, you can go look us up. And you get to hear us sing on there. Yeah. That's the only place you'll get to hear us sing. Once in a while, you can hear us sing if you're lucky. Don't know that you'd want to. But, hey, if that's your thing. <laughs> Sometimes I sing on here, I think. I think I've sang on here before. Not I don't like know. Sing, but just I, don't, I don't remember. Maybe don't, we have. I don't remember either. We either. sing a lot. Y'all just don't hear it. <laughs> a lot of that's edited out. Yes. <laughs> for, for the good of everybody. We have a song for everything that we talk I about. I do, for real. I like everything. Even in my 
even if I'm in a normal conversation, yeah. like I, I like everyday up. life, I have a song for like everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they're like real songs. Yeah, they're not just, made up songs. It's just it makes me think of a song, and I'll just sing it. Uh, you know, so, but anyway. And periodically, we have theme music that just plays. Yeah, so. <laughs> You'll get used to it. <laughs> you want to check us out on there, it's patreon.com slash pod, which we will have a link to that in all of our stuff, so yes. don't worry. My foot is, like, smaller than my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know that we're doing a podcast. You know, we're, we're recording. I don't know if you... Uh, Realize yeah, what's I going on. It. What's going on here right now? <laughs> yeah. But we're recording I, a podcast. I'm with you. That was just something I needed to state. Okay. <laughs> I don't know I why. Need, I need to uh, record these commercial things because Christine's got too much time on her hands while I'm reading stuff. <laughs> while I'm doing reads, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I sit here with <laughs> nothing to do. But see that my foot is smaller than my hand. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. If your foot's smaller than your hand, send us a picture. Yeah, Man, we'd love real. to see it. All right. So we it's time for our review of the week. Okay. You know we do one a week. One a week. <laughs> one a week. Why doing another one? This one is a five star review and Yay. comes from Eugene Isabels. Um, I guess that's how you pronounce it. I, 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 I'm about to. Spell it. Shut up. <laughs> I-S-B-I-L-L-S. Isbels. Isbels. Anyway, Isbels. Eugene. That's what we're going to Hey, you know who you are. Yeah. And you're awesome. Thank you, Eugene. So it's great podcast. This pos- this podcast is really re- well... <laughs> <laughs> it's well written, but some people can't read. <laughs> says great podcast this podcast is really well researched i love how they pull out facts that i haven't heard before keep up the great work thank you thanks eugene appreciate you yes you're awesome um so i guess without further ado let's get into our story yes why don't so i don't have any more time on yeah that. so you don't find any other body parts that you feel, <laughs> need, to, that you feel like I you have, need to announce i have a lot <laughs> we don't want to hear them <laughs> just keep that shit to yourself all right. Okay. <laughs> in 1929, Charles F. Lamb, who at the time was president of the California Funeral Directors Association, okay, he built the Lamb Funeral Home on Orange Grove Boulevard in Pasadena, California. Okay. It was designed to be elegant but comfortable, filled with sofas and armchairs. Slumber chambers were also available oh, 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 for families to rest in if they choose. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Slumber chambers, I guess. I don't know if this harkens back to the sitting, wake, up, sitting up with the dead. Sitting up with the dead or what. That's the only thing that I could think of. But if they're sitting up with the dead, they're sitting up. Well, may, maybe since they sit up all night, they need to get in a nap before they try to go home the next morning. I don't know. But there were slumber chambers available uh, if you needed it. To lay down. I guess maybe if somebody was just so upset that they passed out, maybe, that they I could don't take know. them there. <laughs> anyway, they went to stay. I have never understood. I mean, I understand they want to make the couches and chairs comfortable for the family, but I've never understood why they try to make these things look so elegant. I mean. Well, because, I mean, you just want to have a nice place, I guess. But. 
Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to take your family. I mean, like if they had, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying not make it nice, like but it's like. Chairs set up. <laughs> no, I'm not saying not make it nice, but you remember how the funeral home in Clayton used to be. It wasn't too overdone, but it was still nice. Well, I mean, it's, they just, I guess, wanted to be nice. They're proud of their place. Now, a brochure described the funeral home as, quote, home in every sense of the word. See, that's just creepy. Yeah. Now, why you would want to make a funeral home your actual home, I don't know. Well, they've got the bedrooms, <laughs> and you know they've got that's a what, kitchen. That's what the slumber chambers are You know for. they've got a kitchen, and they've got plenty of places to lounge. And and maybe they figured, hey, if this funeral business thing doesn't work out, we'll just rent this place out as a... Well, you know, Grandpa used to live in a funeral home that was not a funeral home anymore. Anymore, yeah. That place was creepy. And there was something that lived upstairs. I don't know so what it was. Say, so y'all say. I, I will say that in that house I was afraid to go upstairs. But that's just because my cousins put it in my brain that something was Because something was, chased us down the no, stairs no, one day. No, yes, it, it did. <laughs> no, it didn't. And then Grandpa looks at me and says, well, y'all don't need to be messing with it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What is it? Well, he's not wrong. So she, that was his way of telling y'all to stay the hell out from upstairs. He didn't want you upstairs. That was that that day that it ran us out from up there. That no, was freaky. But anyway, anyway, that's another anyway. story for another podcast. Yeah. So I mean, this place, I guess, it's just like your home, only with more dead people. Well, so Lamb had also had the foresight to purchase the Pasadena Crematorium a few years earlier. Okay. It was located a few miles away in the Mountain View Cemetery at Altadena. Okay. The crematorium was a double oven structure built in 1895. Don't call it an oven. Well, it is. That's just, that goes back to like, oh, God, no. Well, it was a double oven. It's not an oven. (laughs) It's a crematorium. Anyway, it was known among funeral directors as the oldest crematorium west of the Mississippi. Okay. So many people think of cremation as something fairly new and not as common as it is today. And that is partly true. There were only two recorded instances of actual cremation before 1800. Then, Julius Lemoyne built the first crematory in Washington, Pennsylvania in 1884. Crematories, another crematory opened in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and as was true of many of the early crematories, it was owned and operated by a cremation society. And what that was... Was the witch burners. No. (laughs) Imagine if back in the Salem witch trials, (laughs) if they'd have had crematoriums. (laughs) What a a cremation society was, it was like, you've got a group of people. A group? A a group. It's kind of like a cremation. Wow. Talk about me. (laughs) What's on your mind? (laughs) You got me all... Oh, messed up with your whole foot-hands situation (laughs) going on. But it was kind of like a co-op, and you had a group of people that wanted to be cremated, so they all would chip in and buy a crematory, and then they would use it to, when they died, to cremate themselves. It was for themselves to use to be cremated when they passed. Why not just build a crematorium and let people just go in there and cremate you? Wouldn't that be cheaper? Well, that's what they did. But why for one person? No, I mean, it was a group of people that got together and pulled pulled their money to build one big crematorium that they all would use okay. when they passed. Okay. Now, cremations began being pushed on by Protestant clergy who desired to perform burial practices, 
and the medical profession concerned with health conditions and the spread of disease. Soon, crematories operated in Buffalo, New York, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Detroit, and Los Angeles. By 1900, there were already 20 crematories in operation, and by the time that Dr. Hugo Erickson founded the Cremation Association of America, which I think just rolls off the tongue, the Cremation Association of America in 1913, there were 52 operating in North America, and over 10,000 cremations took place that year. And it was just a few years later that Charles Lamb purchased the crematory and built his funeral home. Now, when Charles Lamb retired, his son Lawrence took over operations of the funeral home. And Lawrence had two daughters, but his favorite daughter was Lorianne. Okay. She was bright and so pretty that a rival mortician would describe her as, quote, movie star beautiful. So I guess she was hot. (laughs) Now, what year was this? This would have been in the, let's see, probably late 40s, early 50s. Okay. Is that is that okay with you? No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture. <laughs> okay. She carried herself with a touch of gentility and sprinkled her conversations with biblical quotations. She also wrote sacred songs for her own gospel group, the Chapel Bells. Bells, Bells, spelled B-E-L-L-E-S. Get it? Because they were a group of ladies Women. that sang. Yeah, and Bell means girl. Yeah. So they were the chapel bells. Get it? Yes. So they were punny. She had a gift for consoling survivors at the mortuary and was very good at upselling, which is a nice way of saying she had a way of guilting families into thinking that they had to buy the most expensive casket and have a very elaborate funeral or admit you didn't love your deceased family member. That's a crock of bull. <laughs> That's basically what upselling in the funeral industry is. Y'all are wrong for that. <laughs> If I want a pine box built by hand, that's what I'm going to get. I will say that's my opinion. I wrote that because I feel that that's, yeah. Well, that's got to be what it is. You are guilted into into thinking, oh, well, if I don't get this, then I don't. So that's my opinion. It may not be the opinion of everyone. So I will say that. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> a casket is a casket, people. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if it calls, if it calls nothing or if it calls $10,000. Mm-hmm. It's going to have the same effect. In the end, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just going to have the same effect. That's how life goes. Yeah. Now, Lori Ann had dropped out of college to marry Jerry Sconce. Sconce. Yes. He was a character. Was he in the inventor of, like, Sconce Light? Fixtures like sconces and stuff. Yes, he was. Okay. That was him. Okay, I'm just asking. <laughs> he was a charismatic six foot, two hundred pound football player at the University of California at Santa Barbara, whom she'd met so he at was Sunday arrogant. school. <laughs> didn't say that. I said he was charismatic. I didn't say anything about him being arrogant. I know I did. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she'd met him at Sunday school. What keeps hitting bumping? I don't know. I'm not moving anything. Oh, crap. <laughs> Stop. I'm not moving. <laughs> now, um, Jerry was considered a loser, a cheat, a layabout, and a hustler by Lawrence, who was Lorianne's father. See? I told you. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's right. That was just his opinion. Daddies are always right. <laughs> don't you know that? <laughs> 
Anyway, that's what Lawrence thought about him. Now, Jerry had been gainfully employed as a football coach for a local Christian college. However... I thought he was a football player. Well, he was in college, but this was later on. Okay. He had to get okay. a job. Okay. Um, but I thought he was lazy. Well, That's why he was a football coach, because he didn't really have to work. <laughs> Just had to yell at people. Yeah, a lot. basically that's all he had to do. <laughs> Just had to yell at you. Um, so in 1977, he quit that job to run a sporting goods store, even though he had no previous biz- experience in business. All he had that done, work out for him. All he had done was football. Now, Lori began taking control of the funeral business from her parents in 1978. And in 1985, when she was 49 years old, they scraped together $65,000 as a down payment and bought out the family business from her father, Lawrence. Scraped together $65,000. <laughs> when they just have that much change. It was on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> they found they it. pulled out the barrel in the dryer. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> with that sock that's been missing for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> So now the Sconces are running the show at the Lamb Funeral Home. And the Sconces had a son named David. Now, David Wayne Sconce was described as a hothead and a creep. Well, how do you feel about that description? His daddy wasn't much better. (laughs) Again, we don't know. I don't know him, but that's what her daddy said. I trust her daddy. (laughs) You you trust Lawrence Mm -hmm. Lamb? With a name like Lawrence Lamb, you have, you have to, to be trust him. <laughs> and I mean, he's her daddy. He's not going to steer her wrong. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe he didn't think anybody was good enough for her. You don't know because that but was I, his but favorite I would daughter. Think that, I would think that he would not be that harsh yeah. on some of them, though. Yeah, I guess. So back to old David Wayne. <laughs> He was attractive and charming with sparkling blue eyes that led some to compare him to Paul Newman. Arrogant, just like his daddy. <laughs> you are making some assumptions about people. <laughs> only, I've read like four words about him. Well, you've already oh, said he was hothead. Now, that just means that he had a temper, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, after graduating from high school in Glendora, he enrolled at Azusa... Pacific, which was the Christian college where his father worked, with the hopes of becoming a... I thought his father had a sporting goods store. No, this was... You didn't listen. That's the problem with you. You don't listen. I'm confused. Okay, so David was going to college while he was still working as a coach. No. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, anyway, he attended the Christian college where his father worked with the hopes of becoming a football star and playing for the Seattle Seahawks. So that Why? that was his life plan. Why? Because <laughs> he wanted to be a football star. But Seattle? Well, I mean, because that's where, that's close to where they, I guess. He didn't want to leave home. He didn't want to leave the West Coast, he did, I he guess. didn't want to leave mom and daddy's money. <laughs> I guess he just liked Seattle Seahawks and not, I don't know. The Raiders, I guess. Damn. <laughs> But the, the Raiders, Raiders. <laughs> but the Raiders are ambitious because they raid everything. Now, that was um, in, in 1974, as a freshman planning to major in business, he robbed a girlfriend's house twice. 
The second, the second time on Christmas Eve while she was at church with her family. Now, this was done as revenge for her breaking up with him. And but yeah, I told you he was arrogant, didn't I? <laughs> See, I was correct. Now, after stealing <laughs> the family's stereo equipment. <laughs> 70s stereo equipment. Which you know took was like an six eight trips. <laughs> <laughs> an eight-track player. A record player and a radio, and, and it's all ass, three and pieces. And then you got them big ass speakers. You got three pieces of the stereo system <laughs> that you got to carry out, and they're heavy because all of them is made of wood back then. The cases of them, yeah. and then you got them speakers that the cases they're encased in wood. <laughs> he had some help. Yeah. So after stealing their stereo equipment, he coolly joined them in the pew at church. Really, dude? You think God don't know? <laughs> Uh, he doesn't care. Now, all, he's an arrogant prick. Now, although he was caught, he avoided jail after leading police to the stolen equipment. So they got their stereo back. Well, I was just doing it because I was pissed. Thank God. <laughs> now, David played defense on the Azusa Pacific. I guess that's how you say that. Azusa Pacific football team, the Cougars. Cougars. The Cougars. But they lost game after game, and David soon dropped out of college. Frustrated. Well, I can't win. I don't exactly, want to be here. Exactly. That See? Was exactly. I was right. Now, frustrated and bored, he and his friends would egg houses and beat up homeless drunks for fun. Oh, yeah, because, but that's just the best time in the world. <laughs> so, this guy's a real prize. Of course. Yeah, I, see? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. People, I'm going to tell you right usually when I make an <laughs> assumption about somebody, 90% of the time, I am correct. <laughs> well, I kind of led you there. Now, desperate for a job after leaving school, David found work as a dealer in a casino. He worked as an Was usher. that the only thing he was dealing? I don't know. He Probably worked. not. <laughs> we'll see. He worked as a dealer. Oh, I already said that. He also worked as an usher at a hockey stadium. He even took the test to become a police officer, <laughs> but was rejected when a vision test determined he was colorblind. So, in 1982, encouraged by Jerry and Lori Ann, the 26-year-old David decided to obtain his embalming license and join the family business. So, he went from a football player mm -hmm. to a dealer mm -hmm. to an usher mm -hmm. to an... Wannabe police officer. A police officer. <laughs> no, I want to be a police officer. Now, he's embalming dead people. Yeah. He th he's going to school. He's going to go try to go to school to learn how to embalm. It ain't never going to work. But... Next, he'll be a doctor. But he found embalming school to be boring. Of course. What did he think <laughs> it was going to be? Barrel, barrel Painting pictures of naked women? I mean, <laughs> hello. So, it, it, like I said, he found it boring. And David figured out that that wasn't where the money was anyway. The real money was in cremations. Yeah, because it's easy to burn people. <laughs> Now, this was just at the time the public's interest in cremation started heating up. See what oh I did there? Oh, my Lord. See what That's I did there? I heard that part. <laughs> I'm punny, too. Now, in the late 50s, only 10% of the dead in America were cremated. In 1975, that number had risen to around 40% nationwide. And, and by, it has gone down again, actually. Well, and by 1982... 32% of people who died in California were cremated, which was the highest rate in the country. So, sensing an opportunity, 
David Scott. I get to burn people. <laughs> David Scott sent out to command the market. Now, he was only burning dead people. He understood how this was supposed to work, right? <laughs> well, oh, since we're doing see. a show about him, I don't know if he understood it or Let's not. Let's see. See, I... I <laughs> Yep. He told his parents that he wanted to start his own cremation company, working as an affiliate to the family funeral home. So, on July 1st, 1984, David leased the Pasadena Crematorium from his mom and began operating a business as his own, Coastal Cremations Incorporated, of which David well, was we'll president. Well, we'll burn you while you scream. <laughs> 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 I, don't, I don't know what that's supposed to be. <laughs> He's burning them alive. Oh. I have already guessed this. No, that's not where we're going here. Oh, it, it would almost be kind of better. I get, no, I don't want to say it would be better. No, but. that would not be better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Never mind. I, was, I don't know where I was going with that. That foot thing really did mess your mind up. Didn't I just, it? How is your foot smaller than your I hand? Don't know. <laughs> I don't get that's it. That's why I was amazed. Okay. So Coastal Cremations dealt mainly as a wholesaler to other mortuaries, charging only $55 for each cremation. So wait, cremation. what were they wholesaling? They were Cremation? wholesaling cremations. Okay. They were kind of working as a contractor. Now, this is your cheapest cremation in the country. <laughs> Bring your bodies here and we'll burn them right. <laughs> so he was charging $55 for each cremation, which was about half what the competitors charged at the time. Golly, $55 now? It costs what, like? Five thousand? No, I don't think it. I don't think it's cheaper than that. It's not no fifty-five dollars anymore. I think Uncle Carol was like five hundred dollars. Now there was no extra charge for picking up a body and returning it. The mortuaries, in turn, returning would charge the body. I thought you were supposed to be burning them. Well, like returning the ashes. Well, they can the come re- pick. They can come pick them up. The mortuaries, in turn, would charge customers anywhere from two hundred and sixty-five to one thousand dollars for cremation services. So that's a pretty big markup because they would pay David fifty-five dollars and then charge the client, the customer, a thousand dollars for it. Well, yeah, because they have to embalm the body because they still have to embalm them. Not to no. Yeah, they do, because they still have the viewing. Some of them still have the viewing and all that. I don't know, but what I'm saying is that they would, for the cremation alone, they would mark it up to $1,000, even though they paid this guy $55 to do it. I kind of would, too. I mean, I I hate to say that, but, I mean, they're handling the body. They're, I mean, they've got to do all of that. So, I mean, I can kind of see. I mean, basically, all he's doing is stuffing it in a furnace. I wish that was all he was doing. Well, all he's supposed to be doing is stuffing them in a furnace. His necrophilia we don't need to know about. You just jumped to these conclusions. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. I hope. It didn't come up. Well, let's just it may not have been written down. <laughs> it may not have been public knowledge. But who's going to know because he burned them afterwards. Now, the two, I mean. <laughs> the two ovens at the crematory were running 16 to 18 hours a day. David's first year in operations, cremations went up nearly 1,000%, reaching 8,173 in 1985. He had a fleet of vans, station wagons, and trucks picking up corpses from all over Southern California. So David Scomps was rolling in the dope. 
He would flash swaths of money around and cruised around town in a candy apple red Mercedes Benz and a white Corvette with a personalized license plate which read, <coughs> Burning you. <laughs> Close. Are you ready for this? <laughs> it was I space B-R-N space for you. I burned. That's different than burning I, you. I burned for you. <laughs> Because I burn for you means you're burning. <laughs> Dumbass. Should have stayed in school. Oh, gosh. It's called proper English. There's a way that you have to write it to make it. But anyway, so he burned. Well, he was burning for you. He's burning no, people for you. He was not burning for people because that would mean he's burning. No, but he's saying that he was, I burn for you. Burning people. I burned the people why, for you. Which is why burning you would have... You're just mad because you are not 1,000% right. He attended hockey games with a bunch of ex-football players that he called his boys. Them's my boys. <laughs> Pretty much. Scott's boys would run errands and rough up his enemies for him. What kind of enemies can you have running a crematorial? What are you doing? Because he's living in like a 1970s noir film. Because he's a stupid idiot. Because he's a prick. <laughs> now. That's why he has enemies. That's why he needs his boys. Because he steals stereos because somebody <laughs> breaks up with him. Now, anyway. according to employees, David Sconch used to test his strength by heaving bodies in their cardboard boxes around the mortuary like bags of grain. One employee recalled the day David looked him up and down and declared him to be a one-hander. Any idea what a one-hander would be? I've got several ideas, <laughs> but I'm thinking it means that he could pick him up with one hand. Which meant David wouldn't even need two hands to sling his small body into the oven. Okay. So he's taking his work seriously. Well, no, Apparently. he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Apparently he's taking all this very seriously. Now, Scott's main competitor was a guy named Timothy R. Waters, who owned the Alpha Society, which was a Burbank-based cremation service. He had a reputation for honesty, but was very unpopular among his competitors because he aggressively... He was honest? <laughs> well, he was, he was known for his honesty, but the other cremation owners didn't like him because he aggressively took business away from them. Because he was honest. <laughs> And wasn't heaving their loved ones around to show his strength. Check, check out far I can sling this guy. What? I, I mean, mean, literally, that's what it was. He began to spread rumors that the sconces were cremating more than one body at a time, as was required by law. And he probably was. Now, Ron Host. I, I mean, he was throwing them across the room. <laughs> so, I mean, why wouldn't I believe he's burning more than one at a time? <laughs> it's not a far jump, though. <laughs> now, Ron Host, who was editor of a newsletter called Mortuary Management, which who knew you needed a... Apparently, a lot of people need to read that. <laughs> he asked Laurieanne Sconce to state in writing that her crem cremations were done individually. Well, this made David Sconce extremely angry that they were even questioning 
his family over Well. And he said that he was going to have his boys pay the editor a visit. Now, Ron has Host, I guess. It's, it's H-A-S-T. I'm going to say Host. And his partner, Stephen Nims, they were attacked at their home in the Hollywood Hills by David Edwards. Yeah, we don't know who did that. <laughs> he was a former Pierce College football player. And he and another man were posing as policemen. And Nims opened the door to the two men who sprayed him in the eyes with a mixture of jalapeno juice and ammonia. And that's the only way they could get the <laughs> upper hand was to spray them right, in the eyes right. first. Because the plan... You pussyfoot. Yeah, the plan was to blind him so they could beat him up without being identified. But they they had aimed at Nims's glass eye, foiling the plot. <laughs> See, that is karma at its best right there. It didn't work. But. Now, Scott's offered Edwards the same amount to beat up Waters for spreading the rumors. Now, Edwards took cash from Scott's but never beat up Waters because when he went by his crematory in Burbank, the day that he went by, there were too many police cars around. So, he just ditched the plan and took the money. It didn't beat the guy up. Come on. Come on. You know that he's burning more than what he's like. He's probably sitting there in front of the furnace, slinging them in there. Watch this. Let's see how many we can fit in there. Then on February the 12th, 1985, Tim Waters was beat up by a guy named Danny Galambos, who was a 245-pound ex-football player who carried business cards reading Big Men Unlimited. He's a professional. <laughs> He's a professional ass whooper. He has business cards and everything. Basically. Did he leave a business card? I with... hope so. God, I hope so. <laughs> I hope he left up a business card and just lay it on his body. <laughs> Beat the shit out of him. Now, two months later, after spending Easter sick in bed at his mother's house in Camarillo, Waters died of a heart attack. Aww. But the rumors were out there. And they caught the attention of a state investigator in Southern Good. California who was suspicious of Sconce's crematory and began trying to find out how the cremations were being done at the facility. Ask the employees because I think they're a little bit worried about how they're being done, too. <laughs> but he was denied entrance to the facility because they he... They can't deny entrance. Yes, they can. They could then because he did not have a search warrant. Now, a former employee reported improper activities at the funeral home and crematorium to the Department of Health on June 9th of 1986. You go, employee. I don't know if you're a man or a woman. You go, I don't employee. Know. I did not say. Now, the recommendation to investigate was apparently lost in bureaucratic paperwork. Of course. So instead of investigating the crematorium, the department approved David's permit to harvest human eyes and tissue for transplants eight days later on June the 17th. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? So, the, he's stepping it up, baby. <laughs> he's going all in on this whole body thing. Dead body. Figure. He just likes to play with the dead bodies. <laughs> I have figured it out. When he's not throwing them, he must have threw his back out and couldn't throw them anymore. So, he had to figure out another way to play with them. I'll cut their eyes and heart out. There you go. Now, in October, David began cremating bodies in Hesperia at a place he had purchased. 
He set up a business called Oscar's Ceramics, telling officials he was making tiles for space shuttles for NASA. <laughs> yeah, because all of the space shuttles have ceramic tiles on them. The fuck, dude? And <laughs> to make the company seem official, he and his cronies rigged up a telephone line that they attached directly to a nearby phone pole, stretching a long wire to a receiver on the dashboard of a car from which they took calls. He installed ovens throughout and was listed on business permits as a ceramics factory. <coughs> so now he's expanded. He's got two locations to better serve you, right? But one of them's <laughs> only for ceramics. Well, so it says on the business license. <laughs> I think if I sent my loved one to one, why are you taking it to the ceramics <laughs> store to burn it? So that's when I would get suspicious. just thought he should see it, you know, before he's gone. Why would he have to hide it as a ceramic store when he already owns a crematorium? Why not just register it as a crematorium? Because that's in, that entails more um, paperwork and more... Oh, God forbid. And I'm sure that the permits are more expensive to burn bodies than they are to well, make tiles. Well, he has to get one every year to... Yeah, but now he don't, he don't want to get two. Now, well, then don't open two places. <laughs> Plus, he can build the bit, the ovens bigger. Because they're cute. Which means he can fit more than two bodies in there. So now he can fit like five. Oh, you're you're so lowballing this. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> Twenty. A hundred. Oh <laughs> that just encompasses all of it. So, on the morning of November 23rd, 1986, at the crematory, an employee named John Hallinan and another worker loaded 38 bodies into the two furnaces. That was 19 bodies in each furnace, which measured three and a half feet high by four feet wide by eight feet long. This broke the previous record of 18 bodies in one furnace. Let me guess who, so, let me guess who held that record. <laughs> So, congratulations, I guess. <laughs> Good <laughs> for you. Way Assholes. To go. Way to go. <laughs> now, Hallinan had to break the leg off of one body to See, get it to fit because it wouldn't in. fit, so it was not a full body. It was no, not. He, he had to break the leg. The leg was in there. He just had to break it off but then to it shove it in there. It didn't actually fit then. No, it did. He just no, but to... what I'm saying is that the body itself didn't actually fit. He had to alter look, the body look, to make it fit. So that it. doesn't count. Uh-uh, you didn't break the record. That doesn't no, don't count. Don't take this away from this man. I am, because that did not count. You the only way it can count. take his record back. The only way that can count is if the body is not altered. So don't. Uh-uh, you altered that body that to make it fit. That wasn't written in the rules. I, well, I just wrote it. So he had to break the leg off of one body. I mean, you can't break a leg of the teenagers getting in the phone booth just so one of them will fit. That's breaking the rules. I didn't know that that and that was the same rules. Yes. Okay. So so that's so it doesn't matter if they're dead or not. That bodies has the same rules as stuffing a phone booth with live yes. bodies. Okay, I did not know. You that. cannot alter the body. <laughs> it has to fit. I was unaware. There you go. Okay. So. 
<laughs> well, you know what? You're right. It's got to be. But, so he didn't break the record. <laughs> Actually, he did by one, just not by two. Because he had, the previous record was 18 bodies in each one, but he put 19 bodies in each one, which means he had one less body, one more body. So he still got the record, just but not just barely. So anyway, he had to did, He didn't alter that other body in any way, did he? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, because if one hair <laughs> on that head got pulled out. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> He had to break the leg off and to get it in, and it's thought that the leg may have blocked up the chimney, chimney, and that started a fire that burned down the building. So this is why you don't do things. <laughs> Just because it sounds like a good idea doesn't necessarily mean that it is. That's why you got to act right. Hey, got you got some sense. Y'all need to act right. Now, with his facility destroyed, David moved the entire operation to Hesperia to the ceramics factory. The ovens ran for two months before a phone call was made. Something stinks! <laughs> that don't smell like no damn ceramic to me! <laughs> On June 20th, I mean, I'm sorry, January 20th of 1987... Assistant Hesperia Fire Chief Will Wentworth listened on the phone as a caller complained that the black smoke... Is he kin to J.G. Wentworth? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad you interrupted me to ask me that stupid Well, it just popped in my head. <laughs> anyway, he listened as a caller complained that the black smoke pouring from a building in the desert carried the smell of burning flesh. <gasps> but that's supposed to be ceramic! Tiles for the space shuttles. <laughs> <laughs> now, Wentworth told the caller, no, I don't think so. It's a ceramic shop. But go check the damn thing out. <laughs> the caller then said, quote, don't tell me they're not burning bodies. I was at the ovens at Auschwitz. Unquote. Uh-oh. So this man probably knew what he was talking dun, about. Dun, dun. <laughs> so Wentworth he decides to go check it out. Well, after he argued yeah, with the guy, I, I don't know. You, I don't know what you're talking about. That's ceramic. Just <laughs> go check the damn thing out. So, Wentworth drives out to Oscar Ceramics. Check it out. He opens one of the massive brick and the legs falls out. Burning human foot fell out. Oh, <laughs> That's why you should not have broken that leg off. That's why it doesn't count. And guess what else? What? A, there, a the, ceramic tile? There were no tiles. <laughs> uh, you think? <laughs> I know you're shocked. Yes, because NASA has like a big, <laughs> big market for ceramic tiles on space shuttles that need to be kind of light. <laughs> it made it a place called Oscar's Ceramics. <laughs> I think that they would probably just hire somebody to come in and make it for them and build their own furnace. But, I mean, you know it's NASA. Oh, gosh. They can do that. And now the ovens and surrounding areas were caked black with the accumulated bodily grime. Oh! It's kind of gross. I am so glad I'm not the one that has to clean <sighs> those ovens. There were trash cans brimming with human ashes and prosthetic devices. In the rear of the funeral But home, that's what they're making the ceramic out of. <laughs> 
Wood is expensive. <laughs> Coal is expensive. They had to start the fires with something. Now, in the rear of the funeral home oh, God. was the so-called Ash Palace. Now, the Ash Palace was where employee Jim Dane testified that he sifted ashes from the crematory in big barrels. Jerry Scott had told him to put in three and a half to five pounds of ash if the deceased was a female, and five to seven pounds if it was a male. I don't know how he came <laughs> to these measurements. Maybe, maybe when maybe. he actually burned a body <laughs> yes. right, he was like, well, this is like five to seven pounds, and it's female over here. Well, now I can burn more bodies, and I know how many ashes to put in there. He said that he never put the ashes from just one body in the urns that were returned to families. Which, of course, how could he? You don't, yeah, <laughs> because those bodies are going to separate their ashes. When you're burning 38 bodies at one time, because stuff's going to get mixed up, you know. Yeah, ashes don't separate per body. <laughs> they all fall in the same tray. He also said that. David would use a two-by-four piece of wood to pack the bodies into the ovens. Oh, my Jesus. He recalled David saying, quote, What difference does it make? They're dead. It makes a lot of difference. <laughs> Not to David's gone. Well, that's because he's an arrogant prick. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't just profiting from the burning of the bodies. The family business may have once been a respected mortuary, but now it was a cut-rate body parts factory. Eyes, brains, and gold-filled teeth were sold without the knowledge of relatives, while workers competed to see who could stuff the most bodies into the ovens. So that's fun. That's a good, that's a fun who game. Who are these people? <laughs> I mean... This sounds like that one up around in Atlanta <laughs> that instead of burning the bodies, he would burn, burn like animal carcasses because yeah. it didn't take as much, much heat. heat. Right. Exactly. And then bury the bodies in the woods. <laughs> Most of the time he just piled them up. Yeah, he just piled. There was a shed full. Yeah. But when the shed got full, he just right. dug a big hole in the woods and threw them all oh, in there. Gosh. What is wrong with people? They're crazy. They're just looking for a profit. So family friends tried to put all the blame on David Scott, but employees also implicated his parents in the operation of the tissue bank. Hearts, lungs, brains, eyes, and corneas were taken from corpses and sold through a company on the called, black market called Coastal International Eye and Tissue Bank. Yep, black market. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not pulling, you know what that company does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're not pulling any punches. Now this Tissue bank just happened to be located next door to the Lamb Funeral Home. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> now, Convenience is the key right. because, you know, the quicker you can get those right. things on ice, right. the better. Right. Time is of the essence. I bet they had a tunnel running organs. under the ground from the funeral home to the tissue bank. Well, they probably didn't have me to tunnel. They just walked. They passed it through the window. Here yeah. you go. Now, in a three-month period, the bank sold 136 brains, 145 hearts. That's sad that a lot of people are needing that many brains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. 
sorry. Anyway, you sold 136 <laughs> brains, 145 hearts, and 100 lungs to a North Carolina firm supplying organs for just re- in North Carolina <laughs> for research to medical schools. Well, this plate, this firm, I knew, was not, I knew the firm. people in North Carolina were a little off sometimes, but I didn't know they needed that many brains. <laughs> well, they were just selling them to medical the schools. schools. Yeah. <clears throat> A handwriting expert. You know, the same thing happened in England back in the 1800s. They were, like, digging up bodies yeah, from the yeah. funeral home There's and a, selling them oh, to the medical school. I know who you're talking about. It's two guys. Yes. I can't remember their names, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Now, a handwriting expert hired by the Los Angeles County handwriting? District. Handwriting? I thought they were using <laughs> organs. God damn! <laughs> handwriting expert. If you would fucking let me finish the sentence, you would know. Are they cutting off tattoos and reading? <laughs> now, a handwriting expert hired by the Los Angeles County District oh, District Attorney's Office said that Lorianne Scott's had signed the names of family members on some of the forms permitting organ removal. <gasps> That's forgery. Yeah, it is. That's several crimes right there all bundled into one little package. It is a felony to take organs without permission. No shit. So in case you didn't know that, now you do. No shit. <laughs> so you can't just go taking people's organs I mean, organs this is not the 1300s anymore, people. You have to actually ask if you can have somebody's heart. Now, <laughs> Now, David was making five to $6,000 a month pulling gold teeth and selling them to a Glendora jeweler who was who he was buddies with. Okay, stop. <laughs> People in California, do not buy gold jewelry. <laughs> be careful. What you're that smog may not all be from cars. Yep. Oh, my Jesus. Yeah. He would open the mouths of the bodies with a flathead screwdriver and then use pliers to pull out the gold-filled teeth. He had two nicknames for this process. Would you like to know what those nicknames Why are? Why not? <laughs> the first one is <laughs> Popping Chops. Oh, my God. <laughs> did he reuse false teeth like with the people? Did he take them out and resell them, oh too? Oh, God. You know what? Probably. I, you Probably. <laughs> I mean, all those prosthetics, I'm sure they resold those. That's I'm why sure they, they did. That's why they weren't put in the oven. Exactly. And the second term he used for it was making the pliers sing. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> He's fucking crazy. Y'all, they're all fuck. Okay, see, this is David's daddy, the one that you told me that I was wrong about. No, this what? is David. Doing this. But David's daddy, weren't they selling organs? Well, I mean, they're all in this together. I, I mean, see. They, see, that's what I'm is, saying. I think David started all of it, and then his parents just jumped on board. Because they, they, he was the same as his son was. <laughs> Didn't take much convincing. Hey, we can do this. Okay. <laughs> hey, we're making money. Now, David Sconce's employees gave their boss the nickname Little Hitler. So, well, I could think of a few more names, but we'll go with that you one. Know, so they're they're a fun bunch. <laughs> everything's they just don't want to get chunked. Fun. They just don't want to get chunked into the furnace and pushed by a two by four. So, 
As investigators began looking into all aspects of David Scott's, they came across his group of boys. Oh, his, his boys, my boys. His boys. Now, David Edwards would plead guilty to beating the, ed- the editor, Ron Host, testifying that David Scott's paid him seven to $800 to do so. Galambus pleaded guilty to assaulting mortician Tim Waters. And he testified David Scott's told him to make it look like a robbery, so he stole Waters' jewelry. Edwards then revealed that Tim Waters' heart attack had not actually been a heart attack. (gasps) It was poison. (laughs) Edwards said Scott's told him he had arranged to have Waters called away to answer the phone at a restaurant. And while he was gone from the table, Scott's walked past the table and slipped poison into his water glass. That's why you don't ever drink the water at a restaurant. (laughs) Unless you ask for a fresh glass. If you have to get up and come back, you ask for a fresh glass. Water's body was exhumed. Hey, he was killed by water. (laughs) His last last name was Waters. (laughs) Wow. Good time. Irony. Now, Water's body was exhumed, and the coroner discovered Water's water had been poisoned by oleander. Oleander. Yes. That's a flower. Yeah. It's and very, it's very deadly. <laughs> don't drink it. You Don't eat it. Don't, don't eat touch it. Don't it. drink it. Just don't touch it, period. <laughs> because it cannot, like, even make you sick if it, like, absorbs into yeah. your skin. I hit that with my water bottle that time. I'm sorry. That was me that time. Now, David Sconce was facing 69 criminal charges, including unlawful removal of body parts from human remains, multiple cremation of human remains, assault on a rival mortician, stealing dental gold, commingling human remains, as well as the murder of Tim Waters. Okay, um, are they going to charge him with like each organ that they took out, or well, just like one? Like, charges, so I don't know. That must be per person, probably. Okay. Now, I mean, I was asking a legitimate question. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm legitimately, I would think that it's <sighs> per person instances, different instances. Per person, I mean, because probably. they would have to cut one person to get the organs yeah. out, so I guess that would. Now, Ed Shane and his family. They used to joke about what might be buried under the house that they you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't even, don't even, don't even. Uh, it was just a joke. But now, this was a house that had formerly been rented by David Sconce. You do not look. This would be like if you rented like Jane, John Wayne Gacy's house. You don't want to go in the crawl space. <laughs> don't go under there. Do not go under the house. So one day, Shane was replacing a screen over a crawl space entry, and he spotted. What looked like human remains. Well, gee, I wonder why. Found was a pile of charred bones, teeth, and prosthetic devices. That is the ones that didn't burn because they had too many bodies in the <laughs> oven, so they couldn't all burn. Now, this is weird. And why this did not raise red flags for everybody, I don't know. But Scott's had had the front and backyards bulldozed before moving out. No, who that's not that? suspicious at all. Who who digs up the that's yard like, in a house you're renting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why did nobody ask, like, why the fuck are you why doing this? Why did the landlord, hey, dude. Yeah, why are you fucking digging up my yard? I don't know why that didn't. It, it seems like it was never questioned for some reason. So I, from that... 
From that house, Glendora police filled two 20 by 11 inch boxes with charred dentures. I guess that's your answer to the dentures. I would have resold the dentures. <laughs> They're not going to need them. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know. That's what he would think. Yeah. Charred, charred dentures, dental bridges, skull bones, embalming tools, heart pacemaker wires, and at least two dozen prosthetic devices. Why were, why were they why were they burning the embalming tools? What the? F- I think they were just left behind. Oh, in and, the body. Yeah, and at least two, um, and a soft drink can containing several teeth. Now, why he was keeping the teeth in a soft drink can? Don't, I don't, you don't know. You don't I don't know. know. Don't, I don't, I don't know. even go there. I don't want to know. Don't even go there. <laughs> I know, I keep doing that all night. Police also found pieces of brick and fiberglass insulation that appeared to have been part of a kiln or crematory. You like the ceramic kiln? (laughs) And the ceramic shop? So it seems like he was maybe burning bodies at this house, is what it appears. Police were unable to identify any of the the remains or ascertain how the bodies were involved. I think that that's just where he was dumping the stuff. So where was he? Where did he have like an outdoor like? I think fire pit. I maybe something? I don't know. Maybe that's why he bulldozed the yard. I don't know what the hell he this was doing. This man is fucking nuts. <laughs> this guy in Atlanta that done all that looks like a saint compared to this guy. Now, police then learned that David had also attempted to solicit the murder of his grandparents, Lawrence what and Lucille Lamb. Oh, because they were normal. Probably because they didn't want to be part of this. And he's like, hey, y'all ain't into this, so we got to do something. Yeah, because they're normal. And they're like, what the fuck happened to (laughs) y'all? I knew that no good son of a bitch wasn't going to be any good for my daughter. I tried to tell you. (laughs) He was right. See? No. Bristol, who was the guy who managed the illegal tissue bank, he revealed that Sconce told him in December of 1986 that he wanted to poison his grandparents so that his mother would inherit the funeral home. But they had already bought the funeral home. Well, she was she had put sixty five thousand dollars down on it and was paying. You them know, to you own know it. how I know that her father knew that no good was going to come from this. <laughs> he made her buy, buy the funeral right. home at full price. You're exactly right. He knew yes that something was going to go right. wrong. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking with your hands. I'll sit on them. Bristol said that Scott's asked him five or six times for an untraceable poison that could be put in his grandparents' water cooler. I mean, what? You are, why are you going around asking people this? Yeah, because they're never going to tell the police. <laughs> David Scott, well, I wonder if he would have told anybody if they hadn't got caught doing this, because he didn't bring this up till after they had been arrested. Because he was doing illegal activity, oh, yeah. too, is the yeah. only reason he didn't. Until afterwards, they're like, well, he knows, they know now. I might as well go ahead and tell them everything. Mm-hmm. Now, David Sconce and his parents, Jerry and Lorianne Sconce, were all charged together for dozens of crimes. David's parents said they knew nothing of their son's crimes at the business. Bullshit. And their tra- trials were separated. Bullshit. I agree. Bullshit. You knew damn well <laughs> what was going on. I'm calling bullshit on that, too. Bullshit. Now, David Sconce complained in jail that the case against him was trumped up by prosecutors and the funeral industry bigwigs who want to squash innovators. 
Innovator? <laughs> Whoa, stop. You're not an innovator, dude. Come on. He found, he's a, he considers himself an innovator. Well, he's not. He found a way to streamline cremations, and everyone's on his case about it. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> you know, they all laughed at Edison, too. Edison made a light bulb. <laughs> okay? Edison made a light bulb. He didn't burn people and then together and then mix their ashes up and give them to people and steal their organs and their teeth. And he did electrocute and kill an elephant one time. Oh, well, that was, a, that was accidental. That's only because... Well, that's only because he was fighting with Nikola Tesla on which power was the best, DC yeah. or AC. I don't think and he it was, was trying actually to prove him that did the electrocution, but he was tied to it. He wasn't, but no. they were trying to prove that DC power was better than well, AC Tesla power. Well, Tesla was right, because Edison it was wrong. Tesla was right. Well, now, yeah, but now AC power works with DC power because DC power converts to AC well, power. Well, we all just came together in the end, didn't we? Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> Well, anyway, I don't want it back to this. Sorry I brought up Edison. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to go off. <laughs> Send us off on a tangent. Well, no. I was just telling you a bit of history. See, you learn something you <laughs> well, ever Well, I already knew it. But, but not everybody did. Okay. Now, on September 1st, 1989, David Sconce was sentenced to a five-year prison term after pleading guilty to 21 charges that included mutilating corpses. Only 21? <laughs> conducting mass... Well, that, that was like 21 bodies that he put in that furnace that one time that they found. Right? <laughs> I don't know. They can't prove the rest of them, man. <laughs> anyway, um, these charges included mutilating corpses, conducting mass cremations, and hiring hitmen to attack the competing morticians Ron has his partner, Stephen Nimps, and Timothy Waters. In 1990, while Sconce was still in prison, new charges were brought against him for Waters' death, but the case was ultimately dismissed after three separate toxicologists could not agree on whether oleander poison was in Waters' blood or not. Something was in there. <laughs> or he had a heart attack. He was extremely <clears throat> overweight. So. Well, oleander, or, you know what I mean. Yeah. That can cause heart failure, yeah. so it could have caused a heart attack, but it's non-traceable. Yeah. So. Now, due to various plea deals, Sconce would ultimately serve only two and a half years of his sentence, and he was released in 1991. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> See, this is the problem with our justice system We're not today. done yet. Let's just, we're not done yet. Before you go off on your tangent about the justice. <laughs> well, I mean. In 1992, a civil lawsuit against all the owners of the land funeral home was settled for $15.4 million. Good. It should have been more. Well, I mean, but you got to, they divided that between like 5,000 people, I think. So, I mean, nobody ended up getting shit. Now, in April 1992, five years after their arrest... Lorian and Jerry Sconce, who were now 55 and 58, they were retired and living penniless in Arizona due to that $15.4 million settlement. They stood trial for their part in the forging of authorization forms. During the trial, the couple completely threw their son under the bus, <laughs> blaming him for the cremation conspiracy. Well, Said they knew nothing about yes, it. Yes, they did. Now, 36 charges against them had already been dismissed before the trial, and the couple was acquitted of three charges, and a mistrial was declared for the other six. But, 
Two years later, 34 of the original charges were reinstated by a state appellate court. And in 1995, the Sconces were convicted of 10 counts between them, and they were each sentenced to three years and eight months in prison. That's all? Yes. Now, as a result of all of these going-ons here that we've been talking about... So, if she didn't know anything that was going on about the organ harvesting and all of that, why was she forging these people? Well, she I was mean, saying that she didn't forge these... She yes, was, she did. She was claiming she did not forge. Yes, she did. She never admitted to forging. Yes, she... Well, no, she's not going to admit it. Well, I'm just saying that that was... I mean, there would be no reason to explain why she was forging them if she's saying she did it. Now, a bill was passed in California authorizing inspection of crematoriums on demand. <laughs> so, Thank you. So that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think that would probably be the best. Yeah. They can they they can do anything. Yeah, business that kind of makes sense. Now. You know, yeah. now, Laurie and Sconce's two brothers, Kirk and Bruce Lamb, they attempted to restore the business back to its original purpose as a quiet family funeral home. I don't know that that's going to work. <laughs> But, I mean, I feel bad I mean, for I know, right? them. I mean, I feel bad yeah. for them, in a way, because it's not their fault. Right. Now, they did not believe all of the accusations, but they did admit that there was too much evidence to deny that something went very wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy people. <laughs> now, the two of them applied for and received a license to operate a new business on East Orange Grove Boulevard under a new name, the Pasadena Funeral Home. But I don't think that that lasted very long. I couldn't find It's not in operation now. So I don't know what happened. Maybe they changed the name. <laughs> now, as for David Sconce, he would return again and again to court with new charges and new parole violations. In 1994, he was found guilty of selling fake bus tickets in Arizona. <laughs> He just doesn't learn, does he? I mean, what a shitty thing to get arrested for, selling fake bus tickets. I mean, well, like, it's illegal. Like $20 a pop. Because there are people who bought actual bus I know, tickets. I I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm just saying that that's a stupid thing to be arrested for. That's a stupid thing to do. Yeah. In 1997, Sconce pleaded guilty to a 1989 charge of soliciting a hitman to murder a potential buyer of a rival funeral home. And for this, he was giving the very unusual sentence of lifetime probation in California. So he's on probation, probation for the rest of his life. He violated this probation. <laughs> of course he by, did. <laughs> by moving to Montana without permission in 2006. And again, by stealing a neighbor's rifle in 2012. So, charged with four felonies, he was extradited back to California. And there, he was sentenced to 25 years to life. Though you should have done that to begin with. <laughs> well, the judge, when he came back for the bus tickets, the judge had told him that if he saw him back in his courtroom for a probation violation, that he would sentence him to life in prison. And then when he got extradited back in 2012, ah, the judge, the judge, it wasn't the same judge, but that judge made good on the other judge's promise, and he sentenced him to life. Well, I mean, they should have done that to begin with. I mean, because he's a repeat well, violator. That, well, I mean, I don't know that he's deserved life for the, the other stuff, but, I mean, 
when you're given a second chance like that and you just continuously And that's my point because you, you know, he just kept on and kept on and kept on. He couldn't leave well enough alone. No. Basically. So he is currently incarcerated at Mule Creek State Prison in California and is eligible for parole in 2022. So, Ah, shit. Everybody watch out. <laughs> He's back. Hide Grandma's body. For real. Take the denture. <laughs> Take the jewelry and the dentures and the gold teeth out before you send them to the funeral home. Oh, that was awful, but God, it was funny. <laughs> so, the Lamb Family Funeral Home still stands on the corner of Orange Grove Boulevard in Pasadena. It they was, should do it like a haunted, like a haunted <laughs> attraction. It was purchased by another funeral home and then set abandoned for years and is today a showroom and storage space for a light bulb distributor. Funny how that goes back <laughs> to the light bulb. Full circle, baby. Full wow. circle. Wow. See what we did there? <laughs> In the winter of 2018, the owners saw an opportunity for the second floor of the building. They turned it into a three-bedroom apartment. Awesome. Yeah. So, if you live in the Pasadena area and have an extra $4,700 a month, you can live in the Lamb Funeral Home. So... That's the story of the <laughs> David Sconce and the Lamb Funeral Home. $4,000 a month. $4,700 a month. You have lost your <laughs> damn mind. Well, it's a little more expensive out there than it is in Joe. I can promise you that that place is haunted. Because <laughs> somebody looking for their prosthetic leg and they walking through there. Well, now, you got to remember, the funeral home was not where the cremations were taking place. No, it's not, but think about it. <laughs> okay. They went there first to be embalmed. Oh, goodness. And then all the shit went missing. <laughs> and they burned. That's going to be, that's going to cause a very, very irate spirit. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? You took my gold tooth, asshole. I did that, that's good. So the sources for this, I gotta say, were an article in the LA Times titled A Mortuary Tangled in the Macabre by John Johnson. Um, another article titled The Mortician and the Murderer by Angela, Angela de Avgon and the book Chop Shop by Kathy Braidhill. So that's the best title I know. yet. <laughs> chop Shop. Well, it was a chop shop, all right. Instead of cars, he was chopping he was, bodies. He was chopping bodies. He's chopping bodies. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's what they do to cars is they go in and take anything of right. value exactly. off. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. And that's what she was saying. So, anyway. All right. So, now we it's We are, like, really, for... really morbid. We are. So, let's just lighten it up. This let's is our... Do. This is... It's time for our, <laughs> our dumb criminal news. Uh-oh. News of the week. This is what the title of this is. British escaped inmate busted after venturing out to buy Call of Duty. <laughs> what the fuck? Because you just, you, when you, you got the got call. to have <laughs> Call of Duty. You gotta have it. Now, he escaped from jail and was living life on the limb until duty called. Uh-oh. <laughs> Quint Butler, a 36-year-old British man, had eluded police for months after escaping from jail in November. But the jig was up after he ventured out of hiding to buy a copy of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Just because, you know, when you're in hiding, it gets boring. <laughs> well, that's what said. And you just got to have something to do. <laughs> so when Call of Duty come out, 
He didn't have any choice. He had to risk it. Yeah. The fugitive who had served 14 years of a 17-year sentence for robbery and weapons possession was caught January 13th in Birmingham after officers observed him and a friend suspiciously, suspiciously changed directions after spotting police. <laughs> so he wasn't even playing it cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. The guys <laughs> I knew if I came out this would happen. <laughs> the one time. When an officer asked Butler and his companion why they were in town during the pandemic lockdown, his friend replied, I've come to get the new call of duty because I can't sit around in lockdown. The fugitive admitted he was carrying marijuana and allegedly gave police a fake name. Now, when the officer said they'd be running the dim-witted duo's information, <laughs> Butler confused the violent video game for real life and attacked the cops. Okay. <laughs> Fuck buying Call of Duty. Let's play Call of Duty. You first. This shit's about to get real. He's now back behind bars and is set to do an extra two years for breaking out of jail. You know what is sad about that? He had already served. He had three three years years left. Actually, two years because he had already gone through 14 years. So 17 minus 14 is three. Yeah, but it would be, well, I guess 17 full, yeah. Never mind. (laughs) Hashtag math. <laughs> so, that story. I think I would have just stayed there, and I would have asked the guard, hey, can you go get me Call of Duty? <laughs> if he'd have waited long enough since he was in prison, they probably would have just released him anyway because of the pandemic. <laughs> See, if you'd have been in the United States, you would have gotten released anyway. Oh, my gosh. So, that story was written by Jesse O'Neill from the New York Post. <laughs> I thought that was funny that he just, that's, he had to get it. He had to get Call of good. Duty. That's still not as good as the guy who was turning himself in and wrote <laughs> <laughs> breakup letters. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. That's the best ever. Oh, so, anyway, guys, remember you can email us at onecrimeatatime at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at One Crime Pod on all of those. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing you can do to help us out is go rate us and review us. Give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. We so were... she can read it in like three yes. years because yeah. she only reads one a week. <laughs> we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Which means it. if we have 300 and there's only 52 weeks in a year. <laughs> Got to save them up. You never know when they might dry up. <laughs> you never know. We'll be sitting here with no listeners to read <laughs> When we're 80, she'll only do one a week. Still reading reviews. <laughs> we'll have a new podcast called, well, this, called this Week this in Reviews. This one's from Slim Jim 2288. He says, <laughs> it's a five-star review. <laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> That's where we're headed. That's her when she's there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that lovely tribute. <laughs> All right, guys. So I guess until next week, we're going to leave you with it. And we just want to really tell you guys how much we appreciate you listening. We love you. We hope we you continue listening. You. We just really appreciate you guys. We so. do. Until next week, remember to only dive into one crime at a time. Bye. Bye. Bye.